Welcome to our next installment of the Rebels of the Heart virtual conference series. It's been an ongoing segment where we've featured great leaders across all different areas of business, different companies, really showing the next generation of leadership and what leadership with a heart looks like in terms of rebels breaking the rules, creating new rules, and, and establishing what a healthy business and personal relationship can look like. I'm Derek Bunston, CEO of Life Guides, uh, and we're building a platform for preparing people to do extraordinary good by using technology to match people who have been through a life challenge of some sort with those who are going through the same or a very similar experience now provide peer-to-peer mentorship support and guidance to help people be happier, healthier, and more productive in both their work life and home life and where those come together. Welcome to Rebels with a Heart. Really thrilled to have Alain Hunkins here with us today, a friend and just a, a, a colleague that I deeply respect and who's doing amazing work in the world and just happy to have you on. So welcome. Thank you so much, Derek. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Yeah, we always have fun conversations, and so this would be—I knew this would be a great one. It's really well timed for a number of reasons. So we'll start off with a with an easy question, uh, which I think is easy, but maybe we'll see for you. What does it mean to be a rebel with a heart in the context of the present environment for you, Ellen? Wow. So the word that comes to mind as you say "rebel with a heart" um, is courage, right? And, you know, I oftentimes, you know, I do a lot of work with aspiring leaders, leaders who want to keep getting better. And to me, courage is the ability to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. right? So I think about, you know, what leaders want to do, and I think rebels with a heart want to do, is they have a vision for making things better. They're like, or, and if not, and sometimes the vision isn't that clear. Sometimes it's just, you know what? Something's got to change here. Something you know, you got that kind of visceral feeling that something's uncomfortable. You got to change this. And I think rebels with a heart are the ones that instead of going, you know, somebody needs to change something. Some, you know, somebody they they should do something. Like there is no they. There is no someone. It's me. And I think rebels with a heart are the ones that go, all right, what am I going to do? You know, and what will I do? And and they find support even though it can be uncomfortable. They're willing to step through that and. And, and step into the discomfort because their, their, I guess you can say their passion, their reason for being is bigger than the discomfort in the moment. You know, it's kind okay. of the, it's the ultimate in delayed gratification. Love it. You're speaking to my heart with this. And I think we definitely have a shared, I know we have a shared perspective on this. So yeah. it's beautiful yeah. to hear you reflect that. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious as you think back to the last couple of years and you think to the now what we've learned, you think about the next two years going forward, where have you kind of showed up in that discomfort, courageous fashion and how you're, how you're applying some of the experiences over the last couple of years to your own life, either professionally or personal? Wow. That's a great question. Big question. Um, so for me, I think the experience of these last couple of years that we've all been through, um, you know, this time of living through this pandemic, I think everyone, whether you like it or not, it was easy to be on the hamster wheel of, you know, whatever you're doing. And, and this kind of was this enforced pause, stop notice and question, yeah. you know, yeah, stop, notice a question. And like, what's really important? Cause suddenly we're all facing this idea of literal life and death, right? So COVID comes in, like we got this new disease, this virus, and you could die, which is going to make you it's a, talk about a wake up call. I and mean, we talk about these wake up calls in life. Yeah. And so this wake up call of, I think everyone is questioning so many aspects of life. I mean, I have so many colleagues, clients, et cetera, who's like, you know what? Oh my gosh, I had no idea how much joy being home and having dinner with the family every night would bring me. 
Yeah. Other people, other people was like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of this family. You know what I mean? I mean that's not, <laughs> or whatever it is, or like, or I got to change things. But all this is, I think your Val, I think this, the last couple of years, the opportunity to clarify what is important and part of it too. And also with the fact that if you were, as many of us were, you know, meeting people, connecting through Zoom, where suddenly people maybe at work were, you know, who you saw kind of only in a kind of, we'll call it the two-dimensional antiseptic corporate setting. Suddenly you're Zooming into their homes and their cats are going by and their babies are crying or in the picture. And you realize these were three-dimensional human beings all along. And we were maybe pretending or trying to kind of keep that part of ourselves in the closet. And I think now that we've been through this, the eggshell has been cracked and you can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You know, the fact is people realize that being human and having a more rich, valuable life is actually way more valuable than any external form of, you know, look how cool I am or look how much like, you know, whatever those former trinkets might've been. I mean, obviously we still need money and do things, but I think people are being more thoughtful about what they're doing and why they're doing it. So, and for me, that has looked like actually saying no to some stuff, you know, like for example, someone saying, Hey, I've got this job. Like, for example, I used to, I, you know, I came up doing a lot of training and some of the training companies I worked with years ago have reached out like, Hey, do you want to fly to St. Louis and do this program? And this is a program that I've done a hundred times. I did it, started doing 20 years ago. And really other than money to go to St. Louis, like what is the incentive for me to do this? Like, is anything, am I learning anything? Am I growing? Am I? No. So the answer is no. The answer is no, because I realize every time that I say yes to something that isn't in alignment with my values, mm -hmm. I'm actually saying no to something that is more important. Yeah. And I'm learning to realize that I have a limited bandwidth in my life and I've got limited X number of days on this earth. How am I going to spend them and trying to wake up every day and doing things that are more in alignment? Now, look, I, as I say that it can sound like I'm living, like, I don't get this right. I don't get this perfect. But I think asking the question on a consistent basis is yeah. really important. I that's a beautiful answer and so well summarized. I just truly, I'm, it really is. So I'm curious, what are you saying yes to right now? What are you intentionally saying yes to? What do you want to say yes to? Ah, uh, great question. So one of the things I'm saying yes to is learning. Uh, so I started my, you know, my book came out on March the 24th of 2020, right? Right as the pandemic started. Wow. And in some ways which is like a really lousy time. I mean, honestly, it's a really lousy time for a first book. People have said, well, it's people had time to read. I'm like, yeah, if they know who you are, <laughs> if they know. So in, in essence, that was sort of the launching of my rebranding of my business. So mm -hmm. I've really been building a business in the middle of a pandemic, a business for which before the pandemic, it was 99% face-to-face. So having to pivot, relearn. So for me, what I'm saying yes to is going, all right, I'm starting a business. I know a ton about leadership and speaking and coaching and training. I don't know as much about sales and marketing. Well, this is a good time to learn. So I'm really stepping into the, I don't know, who knows more than I do? Well, lots of people. So for me, it's the discomfort of reaching out to people and saying, can you help me? Can you teach me? What can I learn? Because there's an ego part of me still that believes that I should know how to do this already. When if, you know, if I was to coach anybody else, say, time out. How many, how much of this have you ever done in your life? Not much. So why are you expecting yourself to know how to do it? You know, it's that old difference between the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. And I'm just having, so for me saying yes is saying yes to 
stepping into the discomfort of growth mindset and going, instead of thinking, I don't know, it's like, I don't know yet. And yeah. so taking, taking, taking this learning journey as I go. I like that. And as you've been shaping your new kind of business and the clients you're working with during this kind of re-emergence into whatever the future will be in the work-life integration, what are you seeing from those clients? What are you, what, what's different? What are you experiencing that collective psyche use is the word that we described earlier? Yeah. Well, what I'm seeing kind of tying back to what we talked about earlier, I mean, some of what I'm seeing is that they are struggling with their own people internally yeah. around how do we make our organizations more human, frankly, you know, and whether that's more human because I've got people who are now working from home and this is all having to be done via, you know, internet, you know, computer stuff, digital, like I don't have people live face to face. So what do I do? Whether it's people realizing that everyone had been suppressing a whole lot of stuff beforehand and now it's coming out. So I'm seeing this need for people to really create. And the other thing that I'm seeing too is people are really hungry for community. Mm -hmm. People are, are starving for it. And we as leaders in any organization have an opportunity to create community. And one of my litmus tests, you know, when I talk about community, because I, I ultimately believe that everyone's a volunteer. I mean, whether you pay them a salary or not, everyone's volunteering their time, their effort, because they can give you so much or not. And so my kind of litmus test around community and are people going to come back is what can you, if you're a community organizer, community leader, whatever you want to call yourself, what can you provide for people that they don't get anywhere else? Right. But I think if you can do that, if you can have people walk away with a feeling of, wow, I feel seen, supported, recognized, valued, my gifts are welcome, and I'm contributing something bigger than myself, that is, talk about contagious. I mean, that's contagious. That's something that people will come back for. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm creating my own communities around, in my world, that's around aspiring leaders. So I have this 30-day leadership challenge that I run in this asynchronous technological challenge. But we have these alumni, once you've been through, you're part of this experience. We have this alumni community. We have master classes. And people come back because they want to keep learning and growing. And you know, I always tell folks that you know leadership, but I think it's true of everything, so many things around growth, whether that's personal growth, professional growth. You know, the U.S. particularly, we have such an individualistic hero mindset. You have to do it and figure it all out yourself. I mean, yeah. you know this. I mean, look at life. Look at what Life Guides is, right? Like Life Guides is you're all about. You need help. Someone else has been down this road before. You you do not need to invent the wheel. You know who else is out there? Who's a mentor who can guide you on this journey? And so, I think a big part of that is normalizing people's experience. You're not alone. Other people are here and other people actually want to help you because other people are in your corner rooting for you to succeed. It's beautiful. So I'm going to come back to that theme in just a moment. I'm going to, I'm going to carve out some different points there. But one of the things I wanted to highlight is in your in your book, because I'd like to hear a little bit more about what the context of that book is and how you're now translating kind of the themes of that book into this community effort, into this future shaping, into leadership in the in this redesign of re repatterning the rules if you will to reflect where we're going how is that kind of playing out for you in real time sure so you know if anyone who's listening right now you've you've all i'm sure you've read books you're like oh those are some good ideas and then you close the book you put it on the shelf and nothing really changes and you know if you think about human behavior and professional and personal growth it's a little bit like reading books about golf. Like if you want to play a golf game, like, oh, I read this great book on golf. I'm going to be a much better golfer now. It's like, ultimately you have to get on the course and you've got to swing. You got to practice and hit and, and learn from your experience. 
And so the book is called Cracking the Leadership Code. The subtitle is The Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders. And those three secrets, the big meta frame of it, those three things are connection, communication, and collaboration. And so it's my belief is that a lot of us tend to look at leadership as this mystical, magical thing that some people either do or don't do. And it turns out, and the book, by the way, came out of 25 years of working with thousands and thousands of groups. So it wasn't like I sat down and thought, like, what do I think about leadership? It's like, no, this is what I kept seeing showing up time and time again. And so what were the common themes? And it was like, the best leaders are great at connecting, communicating, and collaborating. And the lousy ones are really lousy at this. And so what I ended up doing was looking for how can we break this down into specific behavior? So that's where we created this online challenge. Whereas if you think about leadership comes down to what you say and what you do, it is a performing art. Just like golf is a performance. You don't read about golf and talk about golf. You play golf. Well, you play leadership and you play it every day. And every single day is another canvas on which you get to paint with your colors, your palette of leadership. And so what I'm working to help people on is what does connection look like? How do you specifically connect? And there's different ways to do it. There's like 85 different ways to connect. Pick one, try it out, paint it on your day. How is it working? How is it not working? Same thing with communication and collaboration. And so what I'm working on is to really give people the confidence that if you're intentional and you start building habits of skill, you will get better because this is now becoming a part of who you are. Just like in the same way, hopefully you don't have to stop every night and go, gosh, that toothbrush on the wall, I haven't used that in a while. I mean, the goal is you make it a habit. It becomes automatic and it becomes who you are. I love that. So I, and again, we're going to have the details for this book in the notes so people can learn more about both your book, the leadership code, as well as your 30-day challenge. So we'll make sure we share that, that link at the end of the show. I want to come back for a moment to something else that you were talking about, which is this idea of people yearning for community. Obviously, we agree it's what we're doing with Life Guides, and there's value in this idea of, of mentorship and guidance. I wanted to get your thoughts because I was actually literally thinking about meditating on this this morning. We hear it because there's it's Mental Health Awareness Month, right? There's mm-hmm. this focus right now on self-care, and we've heard a lot about self-care, self-care. You got to put yourself first. You got to take care of yourself. And I agree with that to a point, but I think we're losing track of others care. Like I really think that we've 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 kind of almost like shifted the pendulum so far to the point that people are are neglecting the point of why we're doing what what it's not an either or thing. And and it's not I, I feel like right now in this moment of time, people are losing track of others care. And that in, in essence by others care, it is a form of self-care because we are all in to your point, we're all in community, we're all in communion, we're all connected. And so how do we cultivate more of that? Because I think that there needs to be a shift, an an integration of those concepts, because it feels like we're getting to the point where it's almost getting unhealthy. And and, uh, I'd even use the word um, almost narcissistic in the sense that it's it's losing why we care. And you know what I mean? Totally, totally. This is such a juicy topic, Derek. I mean, and one thing to add to the sense of self-care potentially becoming narcissistic is I recognize behind all of this, there is a big industry that is very interested in capitalizing, literally making money off of the, these ideas, right? Whether it's self-care, I mean, just think about it. And, and, and so I think your point around, you know, we can't do this at the expense of someone else. And the other thing that, you know, collectively 
it's, you know, this is, this is going to be a lot to unpack in a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is this idea that, um, when I, when I start to think about, oh, um, when I like, oh, I need to like, I'm so burned. I need to take care of myself. I mean, yes, that's true. And I think it's important for us to find ways to renew because ultimately what is self-care? It's about renewing, renewing our personal energy on the right. physical level, emotional level, mental level, and spiritual level. We have to renew our own level of energy so that we can perform and do stuff in the world. Yeah, and that's right. the point. And there are certain things and there's certain practices that will help me to renew more quickly and more effectively. I mean, here's an analogy. So if you think about like uh, the Daytona 500, right? Or any of these race cars, NASCAR, any of these races, like think of the, the pit stop. Like the goal is to have the pit stop be as short as possible, right? It's like, because you want to get back there on the track. Yeah. And I think in, as we think about our own renewal practices, yeah, is that you want to find things that work for you, but that renewal shouldn't become the focus of the day, right? It's like the pits, like we're not racing, we're not going around the track so that we can luxuriate in the pit stop. Right. right. It's like the pit stop is the pit stop. And that, so there's certain things that can help you. And so it's, and it's finding, finding the balance of that. But again, there are people who are marketing this, like, you know, you need to do all this pampering and yes, you, you know, but like finding what are the things that work for you? And I know that for myself, in my own life, there are certain renewal practices, you know, you know, there's a difference, I think, between intentional renewal and just sort of checking out. And I know that when I check out, it's probably because I'm trying to avoid dealing with something else. Yeah. And I, so I think the willingness to go, you know, as an adult, you know, yeah. in our society, and this is a thing too, is that, you know, I, I think if you look at American society in general, there's a lot of things that want to keep us as like perpetual teenagers, like you said, selfish and narcissistic, because there's, there's a lot of forces that are playing at you have disposable income and we'd like you to dispose it to our product or service or whatever that is. And so I think we have to be really mindful of looking for renewal practices that are going to be a quick, efficient and do the job so that we can remember what is our higher mission, our purpose, our calling, which is what to me is what spiritual energy is about, right? It's not religion. It's about meaning and purpose. And then, so then I can like be renewed, recharged and go out there and do more of that stuff. Yes. So in that, I have another great answer. So truly. So back to that point, how do leaders, because you're working with them, you're seeing this snack. Yeah. You've written, literally written a book on it. Yeah. How do leaders model out and lead, by example, this con- this balance, this integration of, of reset, recharge, and others care in the context of business? I think I think that's the part where it's hard right now because it has, we have our resilience, our energy, our, our our tolerance for uncertainty, which is a yeah. huge driver of burnout, is just of course, yeah. How do we reconcile the environment of that, and then be able to balance people's personal? I think that's a I think it's a massive opportunity. Yes, to help us grow through a really interesting, challenging time and come out yes. stronger and better and healthier and more productive and in better communities, stronger communities with reinforced values. Yeah, I know it's a big question, and but I, I love your thought on it. Yeah, well, here, I mean, I think your excellent question around how do we bring this into the business? And I think one of the challenges that a lot of people have is when they think of renewal and resilience and they think of work, they think of them as binary. It's either or, right? It's like, okay, I'm working too hard. I need to break. I need to like take a full, a personal day off. I need to go to the spa. I need to get a massage or I need to like, go to this yoga class. And what if you had leaders that started to turn it into a both and? instead of an either or. So for example, and I was just working with a group in Washington, DC earlier this week where I was talking about resilience and working with them. And I 
gave them an example and we can all try it right now. You're listening. And I mean, they, I said, here's a really simple thing you can do. It's called breathing, right? And so if some people are familiar, the Navy SEALs made this famous. It's called box, you know, Navy SEAL box breathing, right? So inhale to a count of four, hold for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, hold for a count of four, and then repeat the cycle. So I did this with this group. We repeated the cycle for three times. If you count out how much that takes literally a minute. And then I asked the group, I said, so how are you feeling now at the end? People said, I'm calmer, I'm more relaxed. I'm kind of, you know, I'm not as, as frantic. And then we talked about the fact that you're moving from your sympathetic nervous system to your parasympathetic. I'm like, great, good, 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 good. So what would keep you from doing this with your teams before you started the meeting? Can we do that? Like there was this, I, I, again, it's that disconnect. And like realizing like as leaders, you're the model, you set the example. So there are things like that. There's things like checking in with your team and asking them, how are you feeling today? Anything distracting you from being present? How can I support you? I mean, three simple questions to check in with your teams. And I think the fear, well, the fear comes from a couple of things. Number one is we tend to be afraid of things we've never done before. And if you've never had anyone model this, if you've never seen it happen, this sounds completely freaky and out from left field. And you think you're going to get judged. Well, the fact is you're already in a leadership role. People will follow you. And you explain, there's a science behind all these things. I mean, what you're doing in those moments, you're, you're shifting the hormone, literally the hormonal balance when you do that Navy SEAL box breathing. Yeah. And so you want to explain it like, okay, you can explain it through the scientific lens. Most people won't need that, but if you need to, go for it. All of which to say is as a leader, you set the tone for what this looks like. And you should start incorporating practices of human being renewal in the course of your day. So for example, whenever I lead any meeting, I was just meeting these things face-to-face. -face. I did these two four-hour trainings. I will tell you, we did not go for four hours straight. And some people don't realize, but like, again, biologically, humans really can't go much more than 80 or 90 minutes at a clip without a break. Yeah. So I, I build my breaks in and I, and I tend to err on taking more breaks than less, which means I'm valuing effectiveness over efficiency. And I think so many of us think, we're just going to plow through this. We're going to just keep grinding. I mean, just notice those words. They're very mechanistic, industrial age words. And we have to let go and realize, no, you're not dealing with machines. You're not dealing with human resources. You're dealing with human beings. You need to create environments where people can thrive, which means you have to understand how human biology works. Amen. That's all I can say to that. I mean, it's there you all, go. All summarized. I'm glad that we're doing this work together. So, yeah. On that note, we could talk for hours. Literally. Oh yeah. Easy, um, easy. I'd like to know, Ellen, what would you recommend for people here as kind of one quick takeaway, and then where can they, beyond what you shared, one quick takeaway for the summer that they're going into right now in this season of renewal? How do they start to put this into practice beyond what you just shared? Yeah. And, uh, how can they learn more about you, your work, your content, and and reach out to you? Great. So here's one simple thing, and I'm working on. This is a practice that I'm I've been doing and I continue to work on. The fact is, the world is clamoring for your attention, and the most important resource that we have is our time and our presence. And so, and the best way to start your day is with the foundation. So my question for all you listening is, what is your what is the first hour of your day look like? You know, is the first thing you do when you wake up, you check your phone and see, you know, your Instagram feed or see what's on the news. Or and I would invite you to see what could you do to put that off? And instead of being a reactive person, or I should say reactive leader, because we're all leading ourselves in our own lives, instead of being a reactive leader, how can you be a proactive leader and set an intention? So whether that is time for quiet, 
exercise, reflection, whatever that is, you know, maybe if you have a certain faith is reflecting on certain spiritual things, look, it's up to you. I'm not prescribing anything here, but look for things that work for you that are going to get you in the right frame of mind, body, emotions, and spirit for you to be able to seize the next 23 hours or whatever that looks like. It's amazing how much that beginning sets it up. And the more that you do that, the more it becomes a habit of who you are. So that's, that'd be my recommendation. So good. Yeah. And then in terms of how you can connect with me. So yeah, if you go to my website, which is Alain Hunkins, A-L-A-I-N-H-U-N-K-I-N-S.com. You can, there's a page about the book. You can download the first chapter of the book. I have a leadership newsletter where you can subscribe for that. It comes out once a month, as well as we do have these open 30-day leadership challenges that happen three times a year. Uh, the next one will be starting in September of 2022, if you listen to this in the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, check that out. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email, my email is Alain, A-L-A-I-N, at AlainHunkins.com. And I do respond to all those emails. If you're now part of the end of the podcast club, you, live, you listen this far. And uh, yeah, for sure, those are the ways people can get in touch with me. Amazing. Well, as always, I, I enjoy our conversations. You're doing great work. I appreciate you and the impact that you're making in the world, Alain, and uh, we'll keep it going. Thank you so Thank much, Thank you for Derek. joining up a little heart and being a rebel at heart. My pleasure. Thanks. 